Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Father God, we just thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord, tonight we just come before you humbly. Lord, we come before you with open hearts, ready to receive, ready to see what you want to do in us. Lord, our hearts are open. And Lord, let us leave this place different to the way we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. We're going to read from Psalm 42. So if you've got your phones or whatever, follow along on the Sky Bible, that's cool. We're going to read from Psalm 42. I'll give you a bit of context. The things haven't gone the way they wish it to be. Um, common theme in life in general, when things don't go the way we wish they did, right? And um, I call this psalm the roller coaster psalm. It seems like he's like, 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 yes, praise God. And then he's like, like depressed one second. Then he's like, yes, come on. Then he's like, uh, so sad again. And, and the thing is, he's um, more than anything, he's desperate for the presence of God. He's desperate, he's hungry, he's thirsty for the presence of God. And he says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And what a beautiful thing it is to be hungry for the presence of God. I want to read from verse 4. It says this, it says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. This is deep cause to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Here it is, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. Any camping fans in the place? Any camping fans? No camping fans. A few camping fans. Big camping fan. I um, am not a camping fan. I, I don't like camping. Not, not any bit of me likes camping. I thought I did like camping growing up because there was this, this phase like, that my friend group went into. I don't know if it was like a big phase, but they liked this idea of camping, but not just extreme camping, like um, not just camping, but extreme camping. It's like the ones with the full big hiker backpacks and like we're going for a big overnight adventure and there's going to be no bathrooms and there's going to be heaps of mosquitoes and it's going to be like super fun, right? And um, 
became disillusioned to believe I was cut out for camping and um, watched too much Bear Grylls. You, you know, there was, there, was, there was these videos, actually. Oh, there's still videos. There's like these adventure videos, right? And everyone looks like they're having the best time. Like they're running along the beach or they're on top of a mountain and they've always got their hands up. Like they're running with their hands up and they're like, this is the life. And so I thought to myself, that's the life. And so I, I was like, I gotta go camping. I gotta rent a combi and go around Australia. I, I've gotta experience nature. I've gotta be free, you know? Anyway, so I, I um, managed to tag along with the Duke of Ed in year 10. And they were all going to Mount Kosciuszko, which if you're unfamiliar, you should be because you're all Australian here, but it's the tallest peak in Australia. And um, I was kitted up, had my backpack, I was ready to go, I was excited. And day one, I was loving it. In fact, I became the person that I now tease. Like I was running with my hands up, the sun was shining. The trek was actually longer on day one. There were so many mountains, so many valleys, but the scenery, right? So beautiful. And so I'm literally running up and down mountains with like a huge backpack on my bag. So much weight I'm carrying, but could not be more stoked on life. And then we set up camp and um, we're on this beautiful like mountain overlooking a lovely lake and, and the sun is setting and it's beautiful and then night falls and it starts raining and then it wasn't so comfortable. In fact, one of the guys' tents got full on like smashed in the rain and so they're, they're in the middle of the night having to try and fix their tent while it's raining, getting soaked. It's freezing cold. And then I wake up the next day and it's colder. And then I wake up and think, surely this isn't going to be like the last day. And see, the view that we went to sleep with was no longer there. We were covered. We were immersed in this thick fog. You could not see five metres ahead of you. And day two was the day of the summit. We were going to the top, right? But you couldn't see five metres in front of you. There was less to walk. It was a smaller distance the first day. And so here we go. I'm, I'm miserable. I'm sad. And I get to the top. I'm like ready to see this amazing view. And I think we've got a photo. Do we have a photo? This is the view. There we go. That's the top of Australia, folks. And um, beautiful. Okay, you can take that down. That's a big screen. Wow. Um, I'm smiling at the camera, but on the inside, I'm miserable. I'm supposed to be at the peak, and on the inside, I'm feeling like depressed over here. And isn't it interesting how we, we know, like we all, we all know, that life is highs and lows. It's inevitable. I like to, I thought for a moment there that I could just go through like, like this, that I would just never get too high and never get too low, right? But then I realised it's inevitable. There are highs and lows in life. Not only are there highs and lows with your circumstances, there are highs and lows with your feelings, with your emotions, with your mental health. 
And sometimes the emotions do not correlate with the highs and lows of your circumstances, making for some confusion, making for, for you're at the top, you're supposed to be excited, you're supposed to be happy, right? I reached that goal, I got, I got there with my career, I got the dream family, I'm at the top. And I'm miserable. And it doesn't satisfy. You think, I, I've realised the world is still trying to figure this out. That a circumstantial high will not satisfy. They're still trying to figure this out. In fact, I read this week, a man by the name of John D. Rockefeller was, um, he, he's considered the richest man in modern history. He owned 90% of oil and gas industry. So you can imagine the money he had at his fingertips. And he was asked this question, how much money is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. You see, it didn't satisfy. No, no circumstance will satisfy. There's a great level of complexity in life with the highs and the lows circumstances and the high and the lows of our emotions. But we do have these two things in every circumstance. You see, we always have questions and we always have choices. You always have questions and you always have choices. And the question the psalmist learns to ask, he, he's not only being asked questions, but he's asking questions of his circumstance. He's asking questions of God. Some of you think God is scared of your questions. I can tell you tonight, He's big enough for your questions. In fact, questions, curiosity breeds intimacy. So you don't have to pull back on questions. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay to have questions. It doesn't mean you're a horrible Christian and you're doubting heaps. No, 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 that's not what it means to have questions. It's okay to have questions. But He also, He starts to question His feelings. He starts to question his emotions. Why is my soul downcast? Why so disturbed within me? It's very countercultural in the world we live. We get told, you know, just do what you feel, right? I was talking to a friend the other day and she's like, you just gotta do what you feel. And I was like, that's horrible advice. And she's like, why? I said, what if I feel like punching you? Do I just do it? I said, what if I want to eat unhealthily for the rest of my life? What if I never want to exercise because that's what I feel like doing? And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Do what you feel, that's horrible advice. Question how you feel, that's better. And so the psalmist, he's learning to question his feelings. He's learning to question his emotions. He starts to question things. He starts to question things. You know what I've come to realise? Our questions help reveal our inner world. The questions we ask reveal something about us. And so he's asking this question of where is God? Where is God? Where is God? He's asking this question of why am I so disturbed within me? You know, that's a great question to ask. The areas you find yourself most anxious, most disturbed, most worried, most stressed, perhaps I've found to be, are the areas I'm trusting God the least, are the areas I'm still grasping for control because it's easy to trust God when you're in control, right? We think it's, we're like, as if we understand the situation, then God, it's easy to trust you. But that rarely happens. 
And he's asking these questions, the beginning to reveal the inner world of the psalmist. The areas that we find we are most anxious and stressed and worried in begin to reveal where we are at. Maybe we're grasping for control. Maybe we've started to compare our lives to other people. And so you started asking questions about where is God and He's right there with you, but because their situation looks different to you, you're starting to doubt where He is with you. You see, it's not that God isn't with you. It's just that we're still grasping for control. One quick way to cloud contentment in your life is comparison and control. See, questions help us reveal our inner world. Questions help us reveal our inner world. But what I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is we ignore our emotions. What I'm not saying is we just, you know what? We just bypass how we feel. You know what? We never feel a thing. Why don't we just keep on going? You know, when I was um, younger, I used to play sport with the boys lunch and recess up until you seven. So like, I was one of them. And I had this weird idea in my head. I was like, I um, had this thing where I was like, I'll never cry. Because I had to hold my own. That was my thought process. So I'm like hanging with the guys. And um, if I fell down, you better believe I'm jumping straight back up. I'm jumping up so quick you didn't even know I was down. Like if I feel a tear coming down my face, I suck that thing right back up. I say, not today. Like I had this thing where I was like, I will not cry around these guys. They're gonna be put together here, right? Now I'll be like crying and my fiance's like, why? And I'm like, I don't even know. And he's like, the stress on his face of like trying to piece that puzzle together. Sorry. But um, you get home at night and, and I'd be home at night and I'm like, man, my leg is so sore. Like, why is my leg so sore? And then I got to go back to that moment where I got up so quickly, didn't get the attention I needed in that moment, didn't have the support I needed. And so now I'm dealing with this injury that could have been avoided had I addressed it. But then there's, there's other kids, right? and they hurt their finger and they can't walk. They're like, oh no, you know when you come in after lunch, and it's like reading time, you're in kindy, and there's that one kid, and they're sitting on a chair, and they're like, why are you sitting on a chair? You're like, I, I hurt my finger, I can't sit down. It's like, that's ridiculous. You see, the psalmist isn't saying we ignore our emotions, but the psalmist is teaching us to question them. He's teaching us to know what it is to not be driven by every single thing we feel. In the highs and the lows, we have these questions. And there's this guy, his name is Paul, and he, um, in the New Testament, he makes this statement, and we quote it often. In fact, I'll read it to you, Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content. I have learned it to be content. Whatever the circumstance, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do this through Him who gives me strength. You see, His strength 
His contentment isn't found on a circumstantial high. His content isn't found in his own ability to make things happen. His content isn't found in having everything under his control. His contentment is found in doing everything through God's strength. And it sounds good and I love it and I agree with it. But I'm like, practically, what do we do? What does that actually look like? And I could, I could, there could be like sermon after sermon, but I just want to give you one thing today. Because it's the one thing, one thing Paul has learned to do is this, the very thing this psalmist is learning to do. And it's to choose praise. They said we've got these questions and then we've got these choices. You see, your hands don't, they aren't raised on accident. You don't raise your hands on accident. And the scripture here uses two words to describe praise, yada and tada. And both mean a physical posture of raising your hands. Both mean a physical posture of actually um, responding to God. Because some of us think it's just like, that's like the extroverted thing and that's like the Pentecostal thing, but they were doing it back in the Psalms. They knew what it was to raise their hands. It's a physical posture. It's a physical posture, it's a response. And I'm talking to someone recently and they're like, yeah, I don't get all that stuff. I don't get it. I don't know why we have to lift our hands and I don't know why we have to do it like that. I said, have you ever been to a sporting game? She's like, yeah, uh, okay. Uh, you ever received a gift? Yeah, okay. You ever like fallen over? She's like, yeah, okay. Well, here's the thing. In each of those scenarios, when your team scored, did you lift your hands? Did you shout? Did you get a little excited? Why? Because it was victory. You started to lift your hands. When you were falling, you lift your hands. Why? Because you're in need. When you got a gift, you lifted your hands. Why? Out of thanksgiving. So when we lift our hands, it is a physical response to what is God doing. It's a choice to praise. But I get it. It's, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. And I'm learning this too, because I learned that, that 7% of communication is actually what you say. That means 38% comes down to your tone and 55% comes down to your posture. That's why we have emojis and stuff, like, because we need to help express how we actually feel, otherwise people get it wrong. Like my mum's always checking the right emoji, so she starts pulling faces at her camera, she's like, like, yep, that's the one, that'll do. You see, that's why we have these things to help communicate. But so many of us are just stuck on 7%. So many of us are stuck on 7%. Now, I'm not telling you how to praise. You can do jewelry box, little fish, big fish, top shelf, arms wide open. Whatever you want to do, I'm not telling you how to praise. You praise in a way that's true to you, but I'm telling you this, there is a physical response to praise. There is a physical response to praise. Because here's the thing, praise helps you remember. Praise helps you remember. You start praising God, you start remembering how good He is. You start praising God, you start, what's the psalmist say? Your loving kindness, that you direct your love by day and that you put a song in me at night. He starts to remember God's goodness. 
And it's in the little things that you remember that help you build the trust. Maybe those areas that you are grasping for control are the very areas that God wants to help you with. And praise will help you remember His faithfulness. Praise will help you put it in His hands. Praise will help you say, actually, God, I'm in need. Because praise builds your trust of God. He's loving kindness. I remember how He saved me. I remember how I used to praise Him. And if you used to praise Him like that, and He's the same yesterday, today and forever, then you've still got reason to praise Him today. You see, praise helps you. Remember. But praise also helps you shift your focus. It helps you shift your focus from the things that are, from your circumstances to your God, from that thing that we're trying to strive toward that we think will actually make us fulfilled to your God. Come on, it, it, it shifts your focus from your emotions, from, to, from the way you feel to your God. Praise helps shift your focus. It's amazing how convoluted our mind gets when, when God is not our focus. How confusing, how foggy does it get when God is not the focus? You know, day one, I'm loving life, sun is shining. Day two, I'm in this thick fog. Day two, I'm feeling confused. Come on, when God's not your focus, things get cloudy, things get confusing. You don't have these answers. You start to hang your head low. Not because God's not there. He's just not your focus. So here's the thing with, with focus. Clarity follows focus. And so that fogginess, that worry, that anxiety, that stress, you begin to focus on God, there's clarity. There's clarity. Do you know the Holy Spirit gives us a sound mind? Clear thinking that we would have clarity in our minds. You know, the Holy Spirit can help us praise. You don't have to just conjure it all up in yourself. You're like, okay, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. But the Holy Spirit, He'll help you praise. He'll prompt you to praise. His whole role is he, 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 He wants you to see Jesus. And so He'll help you shift your focus to Jesus. Praise shifts your focus. You see, Paul wasn't self-sufficient, he was God-sufficient. His focus wasn't in his strength, his focus was in God. Your focus shouldn't be on what you can do. What we do is very limited. What God can do is unlimited. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. I can't do all things through myself when I'm strengthening myself. He strengthens me. He strengthens me. He strengthens me. And you know what happens? When you focus on Jesus, the confusion that was on you, it confuses the enemy instead. I'm looking at these Old Testament battles and the amount of battles that were won in the most obscure ways. There's this one battle, right? They're like, they're like, They've got these torches and these pots and they're making noise. They're undermanned and they're underarmed, right? 
But they start making noise. They start lifting shouts, right? And it confuses the enemy. And there's other ones where like they're walking around walls of Jericho and they start making noise. They start lifting up their voices and it confuses the enemy. The confusion isn't supposed to be on you. It's amazing what happens when we choose to praise. It's amazing how our mind becomes to becomes clearer. Because it's not in our strength. You see, the purpose of those battles wasn't wasn't to take on wasn't because they were like, wow, we, we've, we've got the skills here, we've got the man. No, all of those battles, the glory went to God. All of those battles were won not in their strength, but in God's strength. These are not our battles to win on our own. You see, some of us need to shift our focus because we don't praise because of what someone next to us thinks of us. And, and, and we're going to praise in a moment. And some of you, God's going to prompt you. He's going to say, maybe start jumping. Some of you are going to come down the front here. And not because I've asked, but you're feeling like God is telling me to, to come down and to take a step of faith. Some of you are going to lift your hands in a new way. And you're just simply responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Because what He was doing is He's actually helping you shift your focus from what's around you to Him. He's going to help you shift your focus from your circumstance to your God. I feel it for some fathers in the place today. You feel like you've got to have it all together. Do you know the, most, the strongest posture you can hold is a, is a posture of humility. One with arms stretched out. On your knees saying, God, I need You. Well, we need more fathers that are willing to get on their knees, stretch their arms out and say, God, I need you. See, focus isn't, isn't on the person next to us. My focus isn't on my circumstance. My focus isn't on my emotions. My focus is on God. And it doesn't always make sense, but it leads to breakthrough. You see, there's breakthrough when you praise. There's breakthrough when you praise. There's breakthrough when you praise. It might not make sense. It might be a dark hour. It might be confusing. Your mind might be convoluted. It might not make sense to you to praise, but there's breakthrough when you praise. You see, Paul, he'd been shipwrecked. He'd been bit by a snake. He'd been beaten, he'd been bruised. He'd been hated, he'd been ridiculed, he'd been thrown in prison multiple times. And he chooses to praise. And there's this great Scripture in Acts 16, which shows us this. It says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, everyone's chains came loose. The breakthrough wasn't just their breakthrough. It was those around him, there was people listening. He's beaten, he's bruised, they're in the darkest, dingiest cell. Apparently they had like sewer in these cells, it would have smelled so bad. The chains around them caused their skin to corrode but there was breakthrough. 
You see, there's breakthrough and it's not just for this room, but it's for outside this room. And there's breakthrough and it's not just for you, it's for your family. And there's breakthrough and it's, and it's not just for this generation, it's for generations to come. But every time I read this Scripture, every time I read this Scripture, I thought, He must be saying it with like a happiness in Him. Like I always thought that because Paul was like that guy, he's like, I get contentment, I learned it, nailed it. Like I thought when I read this Scripture that the way he would praise is like, it's like middle of the night, he's like in so much pain, but he's just like, la, 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 right? And then I keep reading this and I'm like, he's in so much pain. He's bruised, he's beaten, he's flogged and he chooses to praise. And I think to myself, maybe, just maybe he was praying through tears in his eyes. And so I like to imagine it. It's the middle of the night. It's the middle of the night. One of them starts humming. The other one's like, oh yeah, I know that song. I don't know the conversations they would have had before, but they start singing. They start singing. It's the middle of the night. They're in pain. They've just been ridiculed. They're being held indefinitely. And they choose to sing the Name of Jesus. They choose to start praising. They choose to glorify God. They choose to believe in Him. They choose to lift their hands. They choose to raise their voice and to praise God. They choose, they choose praise. They choose praise, they choose praise. Remember coming home one day, it was just a bad day. And this tune was in my head and it was, and it was a praise song. I'm like, it completely contradicted the mood I was in. But I went in my room and I put the song on and I looked like a fool, but I just started to praise. I jump around, whatever, hands up, I didn't care. You think I look like a fool? I felt free. And suddenly the burden that weighed heavy was lifted like that. You see, you see, Psalm 42 doesn't just talk about the posture of praise. Because to be downcast also has a posture. To be downcast is to be crouched down. To be downcast is to feel this sense of oppression over you. To be downcast like this, to be in pain, to be confused, it has a posture. See, there's a stark contrast in Psalm 42. From crouched down to casting your hands out. Maybe you're in this place tonight and you feel downcast and you feel this sense that you're, you're crouched down. Then you start asking questions. Where are you, God? You start asking questions. Why am I so disturbed? You start asking these questions. And slowly, with feeble and weak hands, you begin to raise them. You choose praise. 
start to remember. Your focus begins to shift. And even though you felt like you should be downcast, you felt like you should be crouched down, God does something on the inside of you and you begin to lift your hands and sacrifice of praise and it might not be easy. But you begin to recall His goodness and then you lift your hands a little higher and you go, thank you God that you never leave me nor forsake me. And then you lift your hands and then you raise your voice and you go, my God is faithful. And though you were supposed to be downcast, though you were supposed to be crouched down, you begin to lift your hands because He's worthy. You begin to lift your hands because He cares for you. You begin to lift your hands because He's got plans for you. You begin to lift your hands because He's great and greatly to be praised. You begin to lift your hands. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.